Всем привет! Мой имя Том Вахамакис, и вы слушаете подкаст «Russian World. Perspective on Global Affairs». В этом подкасте я буду объяснять русские перспективы на мировую политику. Если у вас есть вопросы, предложения или просто сказать «Хай», напишите мне здесь, в Я поставлю в описании этого эпизода, чтобы вы могли найти его In this very first episode, I would like to give you a little bit of context to this podcast. I am going to tell you about how I got interested in Russia, how I traveled across the post-Soviet space for the first time, and what my experience were with these countries and its people. By telling you this, I hope that I can make it clear what makes me so incredibly passionate about this part of the world. Now, it's important to note that I'm not mentioning Russia alone, I'm mentioning the post-Soviet space. And for those who don't know, The post-Soviet space is the area of countries that once were a part of the Soviet Union. So we're talking about Ukraine, Belarus, the Baltic States, even though they don't like it, Central Asia, the Caucasus, and Russia. In my opinion, there's a lot of things uh, connecting Russia to those other countries that were once a part of the great, glorious, now gone but surely not forgotten Soviet Union. This episode will be a bit more personal, And there will be a message to this story, a message that I will tell you at the end. But if you pay just a little bit of attention, the message should become clear by itself. I started studying international relations and international organization at the University of Groningen in 2014. By that time, I had literally just finished high school and I had no idea what I was doing with my life. If you're listening and you have the same feeling, Do not worry, it's completely okay, because in the end, everyone is just winging it in life. So we're talking 2014, and that year also happened to be the year that Russia annexed Crimea and started a war in the east of Ukraine. This really was one of the major events of that year, and it caught my attention immediately. A war was started on European territory, and from the news and the reactions of the Western government, you could tell that this was something unprecedented. The governments of Western Europe They simply didn't know how to react. And for me, all the attention that was given to this conflict uh, coincided with me starting my bachelor. So you could say that it started to frame, um, it framed the start of my academic studies. So international relations or IRIO as the acronym is, is a very confusing study for someone who just graduated high school and doesn't know his or her place in the world yet. You study political science, history, economics, the foreign language, international organization, and a whole lot more. And it's just a big mess of subjects mixed together, which only starts to make sense in the third and last year of the study. That's how it was for me, at least. The only thing I knew when I started this study was that I wanted to pick Russian as a language, because I found Russia's role in world politics interesting. And that's all. And that's also how it all started. In the first year of the study, a study trip was organized to Georgia and Abkhazia, two post-Soviet countries in the Caucasus. It was organized by CLIO, a study association within the study of IRIO. By this time, I barely knew anything about Georgia. I just knew that it was a post-Soviet country and that it was very green because of its beautiful nature. I knew even less about Abkhazia. A short side note about Abkhazia has to be made here. It's a territory between Russia and Georgia that wants to be independent, And it fought a war with Georgia in the 1990s, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, to achieve this independence. And in this first war, the struggle only partly succeeded. Uh, in 2008, however, 
Russia had a war with Georgia in August. It lasted only 12 days. And after this war, uh, Abkhazia finally got recognition from other countries because Russia helped the country to become independent. Now, it, Abkhazia didn't get recognition from that many countries, to be precise. As of now, only Russia, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Syria and Nauru, which I believe is in Micronesia, recognized Abkhazia as an independent state. This means that the country is incredibly isolated and it's completely dependent on Russia for its survival. And because of its isolation, very little development has taken place and visiting it is really like stepping back in time. Visiting Georgia and Abkhazia at that time was for me the very first encounter with crazy post-Soviet life. To name just a few things that happened, um, in Abkhazia, a barman got incredibly drunk and he set the bar on fire with vodka. The next day, our group visited a very weird zoo where in Soviet times, genetic experiments were conducted on monkeys. And it's nothing special there, but I'm sure that those who are listening might be raising an eyebrow by now and so did I when I was back there. What was even crazier? While walking around groups in the city center of Sukhumi, the capital of Abkhazia, we got a text message from our group leader with the question, hey, would you like to meet the foreign minister of Abkhazia? And of course we did. So we went to the foreign ministry, which was only a couple of streets away. And after waiting for a few minutes, the foreign minister walks in and he starts speaking in Dutch, which he spoke because he studied in Leiden. And you can imagine how our jaw simply dropped. And we were like, well, it's a small world, I guess. And after this first trip to the post-Soviet universe, I didn't really know what to make of it. Other than that the people who lived there were batshit crazy. I had never encountered anything like this before, really. And you know what? I absolutely loved it. In any case, uh, I had a lot of studying to do until the moment that I had to go on a six-month exchange. And you guessed it, I went to Russia. To Moscow, to be precise. I flew to Moscow with a friend of mine, Frank, who also became a roommate in the dormitory. One of the first things I remember telling him after getting off the plane was, they're just like people. Now, this was a joke, of course, and it originated from absolutely not knowing what to expect from Russia. You have to keep in mind, this was 2016, just two years after Russia annexed Crimea, and two years after they started the war in the east of Ukraine, and it was also two years after Russia shot down um, an airplane in the east of Ukraine, a flight called MH17. Now, with the downing of that flight, 298 people died, amongst which were 193 Dutch people. This event has been called the Dutch 9-11, since we're a small country, almost everyone knew someone or knew someone who knew someone who was on that plane. <clears throat> so my mindset was influenced, of course, and together with the negativity published by Western media all the time, my expectations of what to expect from Russia were predetermined. Now, one of the first things that really struck me was how incredibly modern Moscow is and really how incredibly nice the Russian people are. One of the things I would like to observe here about Russian people is really how loyal they are to you. They, they can be quite cold at first. It's one of the stereotypes. But once you manage to get into their hearts, they will never let you go. The girl who picked me up from the train station, Yesenia, became and still is one of my best Russian friends. Moscow left me in awe. 
I was and I still am mesmerized by the Moscow metro. But to be honest, it took me quite a while to get used to living there. I think it took me a couple of months to appreciate the location of the dormitory that I was staying in. And to be frank, I had to do my best not to find the Soviet architecture depressing. After all, I was a very spoiled Western city boy, let's be honest about that. And even then, living like that in Moscow, I did not realize that I was still in a golden bubble in my international student dormitory in the city center. Now, before we continue, let's have a small break. That life as an international student in Moscow is a privileged life, I only gradually found out. A second exchange followed in 2018, and this time I wanted to make Russian friends instead of staying in the famous international student bubble. It's a fun bubble, but it's not proper Russian life. In 2018, I made Russian friends. I talked to them, I listened to them, and I learned from them. I found out that the big majority of international students from countries like Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Tajikistan were put in dormitories that were at least two hours away from the city center. I, as a European, was only in the city center because I was, well, European and white. So white privilege, or rather Western privilege as a feature of Russian society started to become clear to me. And to be honest, I still don't really understand why it's a thing. It was during the second exchange in Moscow that I started to understand that I would like to focus on studying Russia further and explaining it to other people. I had traveled across the post-Soviet countries quite a bit at this time, and I realized something. The mentality in these places, be it Georgia, Abkhazia, Azerbaijan, Russia, or Belarus, is very similar. And there's a reason why the people of these countries are, in our eyes, so crazy. There's a common history that connects them. They all went through the same crazy stuff. The architecture that you find in the capital of Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar, is the very same as you can find in Kiev, Tbilisi, Baku, Minsk, and Moscow. And from Moscow to Ulaanbaatar is 6,000 kilometers, people. Let that sink in for a while. And it goes further than just architecture. Like I said, the mentality is similar as well. I have friends from Kazakhstan, and they say that they feel more Russian than Asian, even though we Westerners would say that they are more Asian, based on just their looks, right? I have a good friend from Kharkiv in the east of Ukraine who says that she feels more Russian than Ukrainian. Uh, but if a Russian tells her that she's Russian, she gives him the finger and then she says, no, I'm Ukrainian. And it's things like this that are mind-boggling to me and that just have to be explored and explained. And the most fantastic thing about this post-Soviet culture is that these people are very willing to explore these things with you as long as you drink with them. Now... If the whole post-Soviet region has my interest, why did I focus my studies on Russia, you might ask? And the reason is quite simple. Russia is the most powerful country of all those countries that were once a part of the Soviet Union. So its influence in the region is very big. And so it's the most obvious country to study. Probably one of the most defining moments that shaped my image of Russia um, occurred during the second semester in the exchange in 2018. Yesenia, my good friend, who I talked about earlier, organized an exchange with a small city, or rather a village, in the west of Russia. The city is called Vyazma. It's located between Smolensk and Moscow. And if that doesn't say anything to you, think about the road that both Napoleon and Hitler took on their route to Moscow. Vyazma is right on this road, 
and it has the suburbs from all invasions from the rest that Russia has ever encountered. The idea of this exchange was that we would stay in a host family for a couple of days and we would visit the high school of the students who lived there. Now, this was a chance to experience the real Russia. Of course, before this exchange, I traveled around the country a bit, but truly living with a host family was something I definitely wanted to try. Several things happened. I would like to start with a funny story. With me in Viasma were other international students. One of them was Roberto, an Italian friend, and with him I shared a host family. And now Roberto, uh, two other students and I, um, we were young and excited, and we wanted to go party in Viasma. And Viasma is not exactly Moscow, but party we did. Our host mother, Vera, basically drove us around uh, bars until we would find a bar where we could stay for a while. We went to one bar, didn't like it that much. Then we went to a second one, didn't like that one much either. Then we walked back towards the car. And at that moment, Vera pointed somewhere and she said, Oh, look, Misha's already asleep. And we looked to where she was pointing. And now, can you imagine, next to the bar, on the highway, there was a huge cage. And inside that huge cage was a huge beer. And yes, the beer was asleep. And yes, I was extremely happy about that. And we went absolutely crazy about this because a freaking beer in a cage next to a bar on a highway, you know, it it couldn't get more Russian than that to us. Something else happened and it was more serious. I got a chance to talk to my host mother about Russian politics. Usually this can be quite tricky because Russians in general are quite apolitical and passive. Russians really couldn't care less about politics because they realized that they don't really have any influence on their political system anyway. Basically, one man has been in charge of the country ever since at least the Middle Ages, so why would that change now, right? Anyway, Vera talked to me about politics, which I highly appreciated. I asked her about a sensitive topic, namely the war in the east of Ukraine. Now, what she told me next, guys, it really struck me. She told me that after the war had started in 2014, she stopped watching television. And she stopped watching television because what she saw on the news made her cry. She had to cry about the people that were being killed. Now, think about that for a while, right? It took me a while, but... Eventually, I realized that Vera had taught me something special. And that something special is that people and politics are separate. And that is also what I would like you to take away from this episode. Western media tends to portray Russia as the country of people like Putin. But I really hope that you realize that this is not the case. But for me, people like Vera are the real Russians. People and politics are separate, I'll repeat it again. And Russians have just as much feelings as Western Europeans or Americans or whatever nationality for that matter has. Please keep that in mind for the rest of this podcast. Whenever you hear something here that makes you angry or makes you condemn the actions of a government, please think of Vera who cried about the war in the east of Ukraine. People are good. Really, that's what Vera has taught me. And with this message from Vera, I would like to end this here. I hope that this episode gave you a little context to this podcast and that it made you as interested in the post-Soviet region as I am. Well, maybe that's a bit too much, but you get what I mean. And with that, I would like to say paka paka, 
I'll talk to you in the next episode. And thank you very, very much for listening.